All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back here at the Meet and Freedom Podcast. I am Scott, your host, and we got a lot to talk about today. Um, no Twitter spaces today. We're just doing this. I'm, I'm kind of running some experiments, so I, I just checking like how many people listen and all that stuff. And I just want to see if there's a difference between the ones I upload to spaces and the ones I just upload to podcast apps, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Anyways, you don't care about any of that, why would you? We're here to talk today about the attacks that are obviously ongoing with Donald Trump and his candidacy in 2024 and how they're trying to prevent and stop that. And then also, alternatively, their attacks on Robert Kennedy Jr. and how they um, are trying to stop that. So it's sort of interesting. It's a, it's a two-pronged attack, but it's very obvious who the establishment does not want in this race um, for very different reasons, probably, or maybe the same reason. I don't know. But um, we're going to talk a little bit about that today because I think that is... Um, when you tie that into sort of everything else that's going on, I think that is crucially important. And by the way, I've also noticed, and I'm just going to say this on top because I'm not going to talk about him much, but I've noticed the attacks are starting to sort of ramp up on Vivek Ramaswamy as well. So I think lumping him into that category is important. We're not going to talk about him because there's enough to talk about with Trump and with Bobby, but... Um, it's important to note that he sort of also kind of as he as his star rises and he was on Timcast IRL just yesterday or a few days ago or how you know however long ago if you when, whenever you're listening to this podcast right he was on the show and I thought he did very well um, one of the skill sets that Vivek has that RFK has that even Trump has to some extent is his ability to just sort of talk off the cuff with a with a group. You know, really, Bobby and Vivek are sort of, in my opinion, of all the people who are running for president, these two are really the kings of this. They're able to just carry on a conversation. They're able to um, to really, you know, sort of connect with an audience because of that, because it's not, like, scripted with um, some of the other politicians in the race. It feels very scripted. Um, Trump isn't scripted, but Trump sometimes is out of touch, I think, with his base. And he's he's forgiven a lot more than some of the other candidates are for being out of touch with his base. But anyways, listen. The coordinated attack to stop Trump is very interesting to me. And I'm going to start with Trump, and then we're going to go into RFK. Because Trump is in more serious water than RFK is. That They're working a lot harder to stop Trump. Um, or there's an alternate theory. Um, I think I think here, here's the truth. Okay, in 2020, in the 2020 election, um, I didn't think Biden had a shot. I, I'll be honest. I misread that election completely. I did not pay attention enough to the effect that early voting and mail-in voting and COVID would have on the election. Making it easier to vote allows morons to vote, and I didn't. I didn't necessarily think through the impact of that enough. To me, I was looking at the two candidates and I thought, okay, Biden is not campaigning at all. He's completely sitting this election out. His his crowds are very small. But, you know, the default Democrat vote of the, of the moron class, I, I, I just didn't think about that. I thought Trump had the, the vigor and I thought Trump had a lot of the energy behind him, and I thought that was enough to carry him. Now, little did I know that all of this infrastructure and stuff was being put in place to get as many ballots as possible to 
that we're going to select Joe Biden. Um, and I just, like, I'm worried and concerned that the Democrats think they can do it again. Because, again, like, like, just take yourself out of the political world that you're sort of in. Because if you're listening to this podcast, let's be completely and entirely honest here. Um, you are probably... You are probably aware... You're probably, like, more involved than, than a normal person, right? Because you're listening to this podcast. And you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't care about politics. At least enough to sort of, like, read the room and know what's going on. But anyways, for the normies, like, even them, like, you've got to look at Biden's presidency so far, and you kind of got to see it as a failure, right? Like, CNN runs a lot of cover for him. Um, you know, but the truth is, like, in all honesty, how can you not view this presidency as a failure? How can you honestly look at yourself and your situation and your world and go, man, I am in a much better place than I was three years ago? four years ago. You really can't. Now, maybe, because COVID was rampant in 2020, and, it, you know, but but what about 2019? What about pre-COVID? Are you in a better position now than you were then? Probably not, right? You were probably in a better position then than you are now. So, I mean, that's that's the situation. A lot of people who voted for Biden voted for Biden because they thought their student loans were going to be forgiven, right? That's just sort of what people thought. Um, but the truth is, the reality is that Biden didn't really deliver on that 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 mission. Now, now he's able to blame the Republicans who openly brag about it. So he can probably make the promise again or some other promise and those people are still going to vote for Biden. Whereas the Republicans could have made some headway with those people had they actually taken action on student loans, action that would help people but not necessarily result in a giant like cost or burden to the American people, though I would argue there would have been no cost or burden because even, you know, just take the money that we're funneling to Ukraine and use that to help people with their student loans, at least pay off all the interest, like, makes way more sense to me, but people like Ben Shapiro are going to argue against that because Ben Shapiro loves blowing up Russia and loves fighting in Ukraine. That's fine. I, like, to me, what's well, like not fine, but whatever. I So, like, how can us who are in, like, like when we're assessing this situation, how can we, if we were Democrats, think that running Joe Biden again is the right move? But if you think about it, running Joe Biden against Trump in a similar situation to 2020, I guess they, they would see that as the right move, right? Because to them, what does it matter? Also, Joe Biden is just a, a candidate to throw in there because their tactic on Trump, I think, is they know that a lot of these lawsuits are ramping him up in the polls. They know that they're making him the more popular candidate. Well, the DeSantis people will have you believe that it's the indictments that are making Trump the more popular candidate. But I think, read the room, Trump has been popular. There is a huge portion of the Republican base that loves Trump. This is the new Republican Party. So you just have to accept that, right? Like, that's just reality, okay? Like, walk around, touch some grass, come to rural America. They love Trump, right? They love Trump. So a lot of these Republicans who are speaking like they understand your life and who you are, and they don't know anything about you. They're just as bad as Democrats, right? Um, so anyways, they don't care because their plan isn't, they're not boosting Trump up by the part. They want Trump probably to be the nominee because then they can enact what I think the real plan is here, and that's to get him removed from ballots. So in a lot of these like purple states, the real plan, in my opinion, is to, to activate in those states 
to push initiatives to remove him off the ballot completely because he's an insurrectionist. That's the claim. And I think you can see evidence of that already happening because there are organizations that are that are already starting to petition, particularly in Nevada, to get Trump removed from the ballot. So this is their plan. You can see it. It's right in front of your face. They're, they're, they are going to push for these charges, and then they are already starting the initiative of getting Trump removed off the ballot. And that really hurts Republicans. If Trump wins the primary and then is subsequently removed from the ballot, and it doesn't give an alternative candidate a chance to campaign or compete. And then you don't need a good candidate because you're strategically operating in a way that's going to win you the election. Now, what are you sacrificing if you do that? Well, you're sacrificing the country, first of all, because if you remove Trump from the ballot, well, that's worse than what we saw in 2020. So you're taking January 6th, which the Democrats consider an insurrection because they're stupid or retarded or whatever they are. They consider that an insurrection. Imagine that amplified by a hundred. Tell people in a democracy, in a so-called democracy, which we are not. I don't even think we're a democratic republic anymore. Um, I think we're run by by oligarchs. The but anyways, tell tell people they can't vote for who they want to because of these these drummed up stupid anybody with a brain and two eyes can see stupid charges that are absolutely ridiculous okay um you know what do, how are they going to feel they're going to feel cheated yet again and i think this hurts desantis because desantis is kind of like staying in this thing i think in hopes that trump gets removed early and you know but i don't want to vote for the guy who's like waiting for the other guy to get his knees chopped off that's not a guy i want to support or vote for right now, if that's the Democrat strategy, from a strategic point of view, it's brilliant, right? It's brilliant because even though a few people are talking about it, including yours truly on this podcast, it's irrelevant if Republicans aren't going to do anything about it. Like, if we're just going to stand by and allow them to operate in this manner... And again, I'm warning you, this is what they're doing. Then what good is the Republican Party? And then on top of that, you have, you know, this infighting between DeSantis supporters and Trump supporters that doesn't help anything. Except it's going to enhance the anger of the Trump supporters when all of this happens. And they're certainly not going to want to support DeSantis after that. So, so it does help Vivek, big time. Um, but I wonder, you know, is there an ace up the Republican sleeve that they can play? And let's say Trump wins. Let's say Trump gets a fair trial in D.C. Ha ha, LOL's in the chat on that one because it ain't going to happen. He's going to lose. I think he, everyone should know that. Everyone should know that, by the way. Trump is not going to get a fair trial in D.C. This is absolutely a setup he's going to lose. So when Steve Deese, like, I don't even know, a couple months ago, maybe a month ago, was asking the question, like, how is Trump going to win? He needs to tell us. I agreed with him because I said, yeah, absolutely. Like, you can see this coming. These charges are coming down the pike. Trump absolutely needs to explain to people how he can win this race. Um, people, the people deserve that. 
But that being said, I think it's very evident at this point Trump is going to win the primary. It's it's going to happen, okay? And if anybody's going to compete with him, it's not going to be DeSantis. It's going to be Vivek. The writing is on the wall. And I don't care. You can try to convince me that, oh, well, DeSantis can campaign in Iowa and he can win Iowa. Yeah, he's not going to win the country, okay? Ohio is Trump country. Take Trump out of the race and I don't know where Ohio goes. But it's Trump country over here, buddy. Okay? That's just the truth. And there are many states like that. He's going to get momentum. No, he's not. He's not. I'm sorry, but he's not. And it's his position on Ukraine that would prevent me from voting for him. I think he's a fantastic governor. I don't trust he's going to pull us out of Ukraine. I don't trust he's going to stop giving Zelensky money. I'm not sure I trust... I trust Trump more. But I don't know that I tr trust Trump the most to do that. Because Trump has also said some pretty... He said, like, the best thing you could ever say about Ukraine during that CNN town hall. But then there was an interview he gave on Fox News. I think it was with Maria Baratomo, whatever her name is. And he gave, like, the like a really stupid answer where he said something like, well, you know, I would get Russia to pull out by supporting Ukraine even more. And it's like, dude, people don't want that, bro. You're already wrong on the vaccines with your base. People don't want to give Ukraine more money. We don't care about beating Russia. No, no one does. Okay. That's just the truth. So we're going to need more. But anyways, I would watch out for that. Now, let's go to the ace up the Republican sleeve, and that is Bobby Kennedy Jr., okay? Because what the Democrats fear is a third-party run from Robert Kennedy. That is That has got to be, and if, if I were a strategist, this is what I would be warning the morons over at the DNC about, because they keep pushing RFK away. Even in this um, congressional hearing today, where RFK was testifying, all the Democrats could offer up is RFK is racist and RFK is anti-vax. It's absolutely absurd and ridiculous. It makes them look so stupid, just so stupid. And, and as a matter of fact, imagine the like lack of character, morals, um, values, or any sort of like like any sort of integrity at all to stand up there and berate RFK for being racist because he referenced a study talking about the genetic impacts of COVID-19. And they literally, Deborah Wasserman Schultz, or whatever that that stupid idiot's name is, the one that screwed Bernie out of the 2016 election, by the way, was kicked out of being head of the DNC for it. She's the one that looks like a dog. She was standing up there um, just, just belittling RFK. And so was some other idiot. I can't even remember her name now. She was talking about black people and lynching and just all kinds of dumb crap. Stuff that like has no impact at all on the conversation about censorship that was supposed to be had. But of course she has to go up there and rattle off because she knows there's a base of morons that just loves to hear that stuff. So she's going to go up there and say it even though it's absolutely not grounded in reality at all. Anybody who lives in the real world knows it's all BS. Like, duh. Like, anybody who lives in the real world knows that black people aren't being lynched in 2023. It's just so stupid. Um, but she's up there babbling on about this stuff as if RFK is some sort of racist, which he is not. And, of course, every time RFK gets to speak, he's just eloquent. He, he expresses his points so well. Everything he says is so researched. It's like a gun to the head of stupidity. That's what RFK is. He's a gun to the head of stupidity. And... Then they had a vote to try to censor him from being able to talk at the censorship hearing. It's so absurd that it sounds made up, but it's not. This is like reality. This actually happened. 
So what, what, I, what I would push for if I were a Republican strategist is to, abs and I think some people are starting to pick up on this because you see a lot of Republicans kind of like shaking hands with RFK. This man should run third party, not just for the fact that he can say he's a Democrat all he wants, but the 2023 Democratic Party does not represent RFK and he does not represent them. He should run third party to screw them because they are screwing him right now. You're talking about, and I heard Patrick Bet David say some of this. It's absolutely true. You're talking about an establishment class that had his father killed and his uncle killed. This man deserves retribution and he should go for it. And the way he can go for it is by running third party and kicking the Democratic Party's ass. And I think he would. He would steal enough of that vote because there's a lot of blue-collar union folks who still vote Democrat. Now, they shouldn't. They absolutely should read the room and not. They should understand that the things that they value, like hard work, is something that the Democrats don't value anymore, obviously. They want some uh, foreign illegal to take your job, Mr. Union Guy. So, yeah, you shouldn't support them. But they do. And, and I think... Those are the people that RFK could steal. Now, is RFK going to take some Republican votes? Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is. But he's going to take way, in my opinion, and I could be wrong about this, he's going to steal way more of that blue-collar union Democrat vote. All of these suburban housewives that don't want to vote for Trump because they think he's a meanie head, RFK... They're not going to vote for Biden this time. They're going to vote for RFK. Now, do I think RFK could win third party? Man, I think it's tough for anybody to win third party because you don't have the, the machinery or the money behind you, and that's that's very important. As someone who's run a race before, um, not for myself, but was sort of the campaign manager for somebody, I can tell you um, it is not easy, okay, uh, without the party's money. It is not easy. And we tried to run a campaign without the party's money, without the party backing um, in Ohio, in, in what I would consider a good old boy network, right? So, so out here where I live in a rural community, a lot of the farmers stick together. And so when one of the farmer wives is running for a position, the candidate that you're trying to be behind has a little bit of a struggle. But we, we ran what I thought was a good campaign. We got a lot of the vote, but we didn't get enough. I think we lost by four points when it was all said and done. But COVID hit, and we weren't allowed to go, you know, we weren't able to go door to door, and we weren't able to campaign like we wanted to. Um, but that being said, it was very challenging because the old good old boy network of the GOP here in our county um, had the opponents back, and we were running a race against that person. And so very challenging to do when you don't have the money of the or the backing of a party because most people are tribal, and they're just going to vote for who their party tells them to. But RFK is a one-of-a-kind politician. Let me explain. RFK believes everything he says. RFK is not some guy who is going to tell you what you want to hear to get your votes. He's not. And you know how I know? Because he came out, when the whole affirmative action thing happened, RFK came out with what I would say is the opposite opinion of what many of his voters have. A lot of his voters are libertarian. And I think their opinion on affirmative action is my opinion of affirmative action. It's just, it's racism, right? Um, because, you know, viewing somebody differently because of the color of their skin is racism, in my opinion. 
RFK had the opposite opinion, and openly. He didn't care. He was probably told at some point, hey, this is going to lose you some votes. And he said, well, this is how I feel. And so you have to respect a man for being honest about how he feels on an issue, regardless of what it does to him in the polls. Because a lot of politicians float around issues, right? It's why Ron DeSantis will not unequivocally say, I support Ukraine and I'm going to continue to give more money to him. Or he won't unequivocally say, I despise this war in Ukraine. I'm absolutely pulling out. No more of this. We're going to get it settled. He won't go either way on it because he doesn't want to lose votes. And he knows like sort of hovering over it, you know, one way or the other, it's not going to hurt him. Uh, it does with me, but it's not going to hurt him with like normie voters. It's the safest thing to do. But RFK, he's unequivocally honest about his position on a lot of things. And by the way, you don't have to agree with a candidate for president on 100% of the issues. I would argue that there's probably not a candidate out there that you're going to agree 100% on the issues. So pick the big ones. Pick the big ones to you and sort of stick with that as your as your guide. And then the rest of the stuff, I mean, that's negotiable, right? So like for me right now, the biggest one is avoiding World War III. That's my biggest, that's my biggest position. In my opinion, there is not a bigger position than that. Like, there is not a bigger issue right now than avoid, avoiding mutually assured destruction, which is the path that I think we're headed towards. So my number one issue right now, and I know this is going to upset a lot of pro-lifers, I know this is going to upset a lot of, like, Second Amendment people, it's going to upset them because that might be their number one issue, and I can understand that. But to me, my number one issue is getting out of the proxy war in Ukraine, pulling out and, and, then, and then creating peace in its place. We need to establish uh, some sort of peace. We need to um, make amends with Russia together. And I think we need to understand that we are much better off being allied with Russia than we are being enemies with Russia. And I see no reason why the two of us have to be enemies. Is that controversial? Is that like a controversial thing to say? I don't think it is. I grew up in the 80s. I get it. Okay. But right now, as we stand as two different nations who probably just have the best interest of our country in our minds, I see no reason that we need to be enemies with Russia. Now, China, that's a different story. And in China, there, there could be some negotiations there, too. And I do think there could be some back and forth that could be had. And I think we could make some amends there, too. Um, and maybe I'm just a flowery hippie. Maybe I have no idea... Maybe these people who are warmongers like Lindsey Graham, who absolutely wants your children to go fight a war for him so that he can, I don't know, feel good about himself for helping Ukraine, but would never go fight a war himself because he's a giant puss bag. But he wants you to go fight the war. Um, Lindsey, you know, people like that, maybe they just know more than me. That's a possibility, I suppose. Maybe there's, there's stuff going on in the background that I'm just not aware of because I'm some normie rube who, you know, lives in Ohio. And is involved in world politics. So I, su I suppose it's true. But that's the number one issue for me. And so when I look at the candidates who have promised to get us out, I look at RFK. I look at Trump. These are the guys who are telling me right now, I'm gonna get, we're going to get out of this. And we're going to aim for peace. And so these are the guys that I'm paying the most attention to. They're also just so happen to be the guys that the media is going after the most. And gee, I wonder why. I wonder if that has anything to do with Ukraine. I wonder if that has anything to do with the war, the proxy war. I wonder if the reason that they're going so hard at these folks, I mean, b besides the fact that they have a vendetta against Trump, um, 
I wonder if part of the reason they're going so hard is because of the Ukrainian war and because of these two's position. Now, I think Vivek has a similar position, and I noticed they're starting to go after him. They're trying to connect him to the World Economic Forum and Joe, George Soros. He put out a video recently where he sort of explained away a lot of that. I thought it was a great video. I actually thought it was a really great video. Um, it's good that he's trying to be honest with the people. I, I think that's going to get him really far. Um, we're going to end it here, but I want to end it on this note. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Pay close attention to the candidates they do not want you to pay close attention to, and... Perhaps if you're looking for some guidance, if you're just sort of confused and you're not sure where you're going in this race, and you're not sure what you want to do, and you're not sure who's lying or who's telling the truth, the best sort of like direction I can give you is exactly what I just said. And that is to, Tucker said it best at the Turning Point USA event this last weekend when he said, they don't arrest people for lying. They don't come after people for lying. They come after people for telling the truth. So perhaps you should look at who they're going out, who they're going after. Maybe start there. Anyways, I want to thank you all for listening. Um, we will see you all next week, probably on Monday, with a great episode. Until then, have a nice weekend, and uh, I'll catch you all later. Try to stay safe, folks.